0: Powered by Sports Interaction, Canada's sports book.
1: Well, hello everyone and welcome back to Game Over Winnipeg. My name is Liz, I am one of your regular hosts and I am joined by Mike today. And we have a lot to talk about. Mike, how are you doing on this fine Sunday evening?
0: I'm, I'm doing alright. Uh, it feels weird to be calling it the evening because it's still so light outside here in Calgary. But uh, I'm I'm really thrilled to be here.
1: Yeah, it's gonna be super fun. Mike's been good friend of the show this year. He's jumped in a couple of different markets to talk all things Canadian hockey teams. Um, Mike, tell us a little bit, give us the Coles notes of what you've been up to lately and, you know, kinda of why I asked you to come on the show today.
0: Well, I've uh, had a busy year. <laughs> um, busy couple of years. I'm I'm writing for daily face off these days. I uh, had a lot of fun there this season. I've had the chance to go see hockey in a lot of different places. I've been to on trips to Vancouver and and, uh, Laval uh, to the all-star game for the AHL and uh, down to Tempe uh, for some Coyotes games at Mullet Arena uh, with work. And it's been pretty crazy. Uh, And, yeah, I've I've covered the Jets before. I wrote for uh, one of our websites over affiliated with Daily Faceoff, Jets Nation, uh, a couple of years back. And, you know, they've always been a team that I've followed. They moved from Atlanta when I was, you know, sort of really getting into hockey just, you know, over 10 years ago, and and so, uh, yeah, it's been a lot of fun to to follow them over the years, although right now it's less than fun to see what they're up to.
1: Yeah, no, definitely uh, always fun to have a little bit of a, you know, different connection here or there everywhere to different teams, and, you know, always a fun chance to come talk about an exciting, awesome, fun game on a show about the Winnipeg Jets, right? Yeah, no, ugh. ugh. I guess we're going to have to talk a little bit about tonight's hockey game that just occurred. Um, You know, I'm so glad a lot of us spent our Sunday evening watching that stinker. Um, But, uh, yeah, so 3-0 loss against the St. Louis Blues that we just kind of unpacked there. And, you know, I think a lot of Jets fans have a lot of things that they want to say. I see we're already... at. A decent number of viewers uh, on the stream because I think a lot of people have a lot of different frustrations and you know you could watch the Jets post-game coverage and you know hear some excuses and whatnot or you can come get angry with us so if you're here thank you for being here make sure you like the stream hit subscribe and all that good stuff Noah as always is in the chat and I guess uh, Nate Schmidt post-game says that it's tough to say that there are silver linings this time of year we need results and I think that's kind of a big centering idea that I want to surround a lot of what's going on here there are a couple of things in this game that I actually did like there are lots of things that I didn't like of course as well but at the end of the day when they're in the position that the Winnipeg Jets are right now the results are the thing that matters you know more than anything you know obviously process and, and making sure that you're able to um you know do the things that you need to do to achieve those results is extremely important but at this point if the process isn't leading to results then the process isn't good enough and it's definitely not leading to any results. The power play, five on five, lots of different issues with scoring. Mike, what were some of the big issues that you noticed tonight when you were watching this
0: game? Well, they couldn't finish. <laughs> That's a big one. And they were playing against a goalie playing in I think his second or third NHL game, and Joel Hofer, uh, to who is credit is uh, an outstanding prospect. I saw him up close at the at the All Star game in Laval, and uh, and he he's really got it. He's had a fantastic season. And even last year, he was pretty big for Springfield as they went pretty far in the AHL playoffs. But, uh, yeah, when the jets are spending that much on their forward group and having added a couple of pretty good forwards in Mesnikov and Niederreiter at the deadline, you got to be able to put a goal past this guy, especially when the two teams who you're competing for, basically for that last Western conference playoff spot, are teams that either sold or stood pat at the trade deadline in Nashville and Calgary. And, uh, yeah, I mean, this Jets team, they do remind me a lot of the Flames from a couple of seasons ago, um, just in that they have this core that they've had for a while, and they, they made a coaching change. They brought in uh, an older coach in Rick Bonas uh, to replace a guy, And uh, but the difference is they haven't really had that. They, they, they started hot, but they haven't been able to, to find that consistent rhythm, especially of late, and it uh, just feels like you were, you were sort of saying it before we, uh, we went on. They're kind of going through the motions a little bit. And I saw a lot of that tonight. You know, they they outshot the Blues by a lot, but not a whole lot of it was all that dangerous. And, you know, I give credit to to Nick Ehlers for trying to spark the team with that fight. But my goodness, (laughs) they really didn't come out after that to, to, to enact a whole lot of damage.
1: Gosh, no, yeah. And I uh, I want to share a quick word from our sponsors and then I'm going to ask an ensuing question. So of course, it's March Mania at Sports Interaction. So there's NHL, NBA, March Madness, MLB, and so much more. It's absolutely bananas. Play Pinata Picks and Minute Madness exclusive games with insane odds you can't play anywhere else. So make your next bet with Sports Interaction. Download the app in Ontario using the QR code that you see at the bottom of my screen or head to sportsinteraction.com sdpn to get started. 19 plus, please play responsibly. So Mike, if you had to bet right now, what do you think Cal Connors' shooting percentages in the last like 10, 15 games?
0: Well, I don't know, but the fact that you're asking me probably means it's pretty low. So I would say 4%.
1: I believe, don't know what his shots were tonight Going into this game, obviously he didn't score any Goals, don't know how many shots, but he was rocking A 2.5 shooting percentage uh, Going into this game um, Which is super fun For a player that relies Heavily on his finishing ability, so I think that's Kind of a common theme we're seeing in this top six It's so funny, um, so I'm in business school And I feel like business school is pretty much entirely My life, and I make everything into business school Analogies, but it's busy season In accounting, of course, right now with uh, Tax season and whatnot, and there's something about this team that's just giving the vibe of like a really bad like auditing office of just like people just sitting there with their heads down like hockey is a profession I know that this is these people's jobs but it's also a sport you know like with the fights and the excitement and all kinds of things like it's it's exciting and there's passion and there's a lot of fun that's involved this seems like everyone is just showing up to their place of work lately putting their head down and trying to sort of do what they have to do and just getting a passing grade from their employer like there is no energy with this Winnipeg Jets team whatsoever.
0: Yeah, it's hard to disagree with that, and especially considering, you know, they lose tonight to to a Blues team that only got 17 shots. And you look at the guys who were, you know, the difference makers in this game, and you got a guy in Kapanen who was claimed off waivers. You got a guy in Nathan Walker who has cleared waivers. And you got Jacob Verana who passed through waivers as well and was traded at 50% retention. And the goalie is the Blues' third-string goalie. And the Jets, you know for the, you can look at the shots on goal and see 34 to 17. But the actual expected goals, I think the jets generated under two, if you go by natural stat trick, like they, they really weren't like playing with a whole lot of energy. I will fully admit, I was like having trouble paying attention to this game. Like it was, it was, (laughs) it was, it was, it was malaise, like be trying to watch it. It was really tough to stay like completely engaged. And I can't imagine what it was like on the bench um, because I mean, goes into an overarching run of not great hockey for this Jets team. And if the flames were even remotely competent right now, this would be pretty pretty diff- different. I mean, really the Jets, this reminds me a lot of the 2021 race to the playoffs where Montreal was doing everything it could. To not make the playoffs And Calgary was saying We're not going to make it either (laughs) And so Montreal Montreal ended up making it And they ended up making it All the way to the Stanley Cup final Oh god So maybe that'll happen To Winnipeg But right (laughs) now
1: I think they have to score A goal first In order to do that So it's definitely (laughs) um, You know Not quite the time So um, As all of you know um, I run this show With my good friend Brady And we run these um game overs together and we're both very passionate Winnipeg Jets fans so we're gonna do a fun little thing today we are going to have Brady call in and he is going to share some words of wisdom from our oh so insightful oh so courteous way of talking about the Winnipeg Jets um so in a minute I'm gonna let Brady give us a call in and we'll see what he has to say Mike do you think he's gonna be super nice about the Winnipeg Jets
0: uh yeah he'll be gushing <laughs> he'll say that He'll be talking about how much he, he thinks Logan Stanley and Carson Kuhlman are going to be the next four. I don't know. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> bring those guys back
1: in the lineup. That'll change things. Lo-
0: and Logan you know Stanley,
1: what? Yeah. I Brady's about to call, and I feel like I'm going to make a quick prediction. He's going to talk about Nikolai Ehlers getting demoted. Oh, my goodness. Well, you can hear. There he is. <laughs> well, hello, Brady Chalice. How are you on this fine hey, Sunday hey evening? Hey, there.
2: Hey, uh, you, know, uh, for, uh, you know, long-time listener, first-time caller. Hey, Mike, how you doing? Uh, right. yeah, was, you know, I missed the first uh, two periods of the game, I'll be honest with you guys uh, My I have one little question What the fuck is going on? <laughs> what is going on with this <laughs> team? Why is Nikolai Ehlers on the third line? Why is Blake Wheeler on the top line? How many power plays did we go 0 for on tonight? What is going on? Why is this happening? When when Nick Ehlers gets demoted to the third line He's not even being demoted so that he can play with Vlad Nemesnikov. Uh, uh, he had to Nikolai Ehlers fought someone tonight uh, Yeah, I don't know I don't have anything actually Im- important to say I was just curious What the hell is happening Because, uh, you know, again, like I said I missed the first two periods And I come home and see That we're getting shut out By a guy who uh, I used to ref in hockey Like, what's going on? <laughs> what is going on? Anyways, love the show Hope you guys have a great night <laughs> I don't have much else to say We'll see you on
1: Tuesday, Brady. God bless. Thank you for I'll joining you us around this around. fine evening. <laughs> Thank
0: you. Well, uh, <laughs> I will say to that, I think they are missing Cole Perfetti a lot. Uh, just so as am I. A They're not special. <laughs> uh, <laughs> just as a completely neutral observer, I mean, they're without Perfetti, they're without, without Sam Gagne. I think, um, you know, their their center depth is being tested. And I just think their overall depth is being tested. And I, I get they got Niederreiter and Demaskinov at, at the deadline, but still, um, you know, I just think Connor Hellebuck—he he can only do so much. It's, it's just a shame, Josh Morris—he's playing so well. Like I was—I was—I was, I went to—I went to school with Josh Morris. actually here in Calgary, um, and well, I was—I was, I was rooting trivia. Mm-hmm. I was rooting for—I uh, was rooting for his his progression a couple of years ago, and he's really found it. But yeah this season has not been at what it, I've seen i, I want to ask you a question. I've seen some uh some discourse recently about neil Pionk. is, is the is the fan base soured on him
1: Fa- fan base is very soured on him. It's uh <laughs> I, I don't want to fault him in a lot of capacities and it's it's kind of funny. I talk about. Neil Pionk for at least 10 minutes probably every single episode and honestly I bet you if you went back to like some random show in the middle of January and clipped the part where I talked about Neil Peonk you wouldn't even know what game I'm talking about it's the same thing every game I'm like what is that man ever doing the fan base is very soured on him and part of it is because of his usage as opposed to him himself he is struggling a lot out there but they keep putting him in situations where he's just not going to succeed and it's it's hurting the team a lot
0: Yeah, the Jets' defense is very expensive. Like, that's the thing, is, um, holy moly, beyond Morrissey, I mean, having Nate Schmidt and Neil Peon collectively making nearly $12 million, that is a lot. It's a rough one up there.
1: Yeah, for sure. And I think tonight uh, the defensemen, I want to dunk on the forwards more than the defensemen solely because I think I dunk on the defensemen a little bit too much, and I think that a lot of tonight – Came from the lack of generation Up front but I think that you know while we're talking About the defenseman it's worth noting um, That well and I Am going to talk about offense too while talking about the defenseman Because that's just what I do but I think that um, You know Garrett Hole who I shout Out probably every other episode because mm-hmm. he gives great um, You know tidbits during the games And, and great insights um, was making A good point about how this Winnipeg Jets team Relies a lot on their defenseman to take Those shots up top and they and they move A lot of pucks up there and they do a lot of top cycling As opposed to cycling down low and I find that they are playing teams as of late that react well to defending shots from up top. Like the Winnipeg Jets aren't getting enough traffic in front. They aren't getting enough shots through and all those kinds of things. And I just think they're not adjusting their style of play very well to deal with these situations. They're shuffling the lines before they're shuffling the way that they're generating their chances. And I think that they need to do a better job of putting more... Like, it's so easy to go on here and say, you should simply get more high-danger shots because every team would like to get more high-danger shots. That's kind of the way hockey works. But I think they need to just get more shots in general from better spaces and not rely so heavily on those defensemen up top. I don't know. What do you think?
0: You know, I I think the Jets need to really... I don't. I don't know what their time on ice deviations are, but like, I just think they they need to really lean on some of their top guys because I'm looking at their uh, expected goals above replacement leaderboard on Evolving Hockey right now, and there's a lot of guys on this team who, like, my question would be, what are you doing here? Like, what like what are you providing? Like, who, can holy you can mold, you drop Blake... some
1: names for me, please? And thank you.
0: Blake Wheeler's way <laughs> down there. But dead last is Adam Lowry. Uh, and I hope there's not a very specific Twitter account following me because I did not. <laughs> they got very upset with me for not liking the Adam Lowry contract and it was signed. Um, but, I mean, there's a lot of guys here. Uh, like, holy moly, Neil Pionk. Uh, completely, like, you, you can't play. Oh, my goodness. Is that. Yeah, you can't play defense. My goodness. Um, yeah. yeah. They're, they're missing Cole Perfetti a lot. Like, no, that's absolutely. A huge. Yeah. So, I
1: you think- know, I. I no,
0: go ahead. I was say, I think this summer is going to be a huge one for the Jets because they're kind of locked into this for now, but they also you can talk about retooling. The Jets are in a relatively favorable position, I think, with their contracts. They can make some some pretty quick big moves. Um, there's a lot of guys who are coming up on renewal. I mean, even Blake, Blake Wheeler is a, is a pending UFA after next year um you know but the problem with the jets is they don't really have any like 24 year olds they got a bunch of 27 year olds that's a big difference when you're talking and the only 24 year old guy they have wants out or at least allegedly wants out uh with dubois i mean i don't know uh the whole story about that but um yeah it's i mean the the jets uh, i like some of the picks they've made Uh, that's the one thing is i I really like perfetti obviously and then McGrory coming in and, and got i blanking on who else they've picked recently. But I know they've been a pretty good drafting team. I just think, you know, if it's a team that could, could establish itself in a position where they can have two or three or four first-round picks in the next couple of years, then you can maybe make some hay around Ealers, and Connor and Morrissey. But for now, uh, they're kind of in no-man's land in that I, I'm not sure I like their core enough for it to be a winning core. Uh, they kind of are what I see as the future of the Ottawa Senators if things don't go well though. Um, <laughs> That's not what you want to hear. <laughs> might be, might be a bit of a spicy take, but um, yeah, it's just it's it's uh, they they can't stand pat this summer, and I know standing pat has always been Kevin Chevrolet's favorite thing to do, uh, but um, but but this summer's got to be one of change. I would say.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, the the interesting money that's tied up on the back end is very frustrating in that capacity where you have on each pairing, you have a guy making what over $5 million, right? Between oh, yeah. Pionk, um, Schmidt and Morrissey, right? Where it's the distribution of their, their money versus ice time versus effectiveness is, is, is rough back there. And I think that that isn't unique to the decor though like you mentioned Adam Lowry I Adam Lowry I have a little bit of patience for just as far as littler things like I don't put a ton of stock in things like face-offs but right now if the Winnipeg Jets could win a face-off to save their lives that'd be great and like last game for example like Adam Lowry scored a goal where he like fought tooth and nail to get that puck out of the face-off circle things like that like I think there's a little I have a little bit of patience for some of the other stuff like the miscellaneous tab that if you want to call but the players like Blake Wheeler and Mason Appleton like there's just so much net negative like they're what are they doing what like what are they doing um and so i think Blake Wheeler is an area of frustration for a lot of Winnipeg Jets fans right now um and like you were mentioning about this upcoming summer obviously this is a player that's um you know nearing the end of his his contract and there's a lot of discussion around what that looks like and how Things might change around that player, but his usage and his deployment is continually one of the more frustrating parts of this team, Um, and I don't get it. He's not contributing anything positive, essentially, at this point. Not at 5-on-5, not on the power play. I am at a loss for words when it comes to Blake Wheeler, and I don't think it's his fault. I'm blaming the coaching staff on this, and I feel like you could have just clipped. I think I said that the exact same thing in 2019, probably 2020 and 2021, and I just I don't even know what to say anymore, you know?
0: Yeah, the good thing with Blake Wheeler is he is, as you know, we've mentioned, he's coming up on his last year. I definitely can see there being interest in a trade at $4.1 million for a year, easily, 100%. Um, if they retain half the salary, I can totally see that, and I think it's a natural. I think it's a natural move to make um, because he's got a modified no-trade, uh, five-team trade list, and you know, uh, I look at that and I see, you know, what would a Boston reunion look like? What would going to New York look like? What would you know going to Pittsburgh look like? Uh, I, I totally do think there could be interest in Blake Wheeler. Just. You know, because you look at his numbers, his boxcar stats, I could totally see a team being like, Blake Wheeler isn't good enough to be a first-line forward on the Winnipeg Jets, but could be good enough to be a third-line forward for us. And, like, a really good third-line forward for us. Sort of, you know, and and it's it's unfair to him to compare him to this guy, but sort of like why the Rangers acquired Patrick Kane. Mm -hmm. Like, and, uh, you know, I'm not saying Wheeler is Patrick Kane, because I think Wheeler is probably a much better guy than Patrick Kane, but um you know I can I can see and even you know maybe double retention I don't know that might have to have to happen closer to the deadline but um that that's another that's an off-season trade I could totally see happening and it's what makes sense because otherwise you know you can't really you can't really buy them out and I don't know I I just think I think for a team in the position that that the Jets are in moving Wheeler makes a whole lot of sense I I can't see any interest in wanting to let him walk necessarily. I mean, I know he's getting up there in age, but you know uh, there just has to be a long reckoning, I think in Winnipeg of whether this group that they have is good enough, and I would say no, I don't know what a lot of jets fans would say. I would say it maybe could be if you make a couple of really shrewd trades, but even then you're at a point where these guys are are for the most part getting to a point where. They're up there in age, like, and it's it's weird to call a twenty-seven-year-old old. But if you're going to do a retool, the guys who you're going to be bringing in are going to be, you know, by the time they're twenty-two, Ehlers is going to be thirty-two, and so, you know, uh, it's it's definitely a balance that has to be made um, because I think the Jets, quite frankly, are a glorified Vancouver Canucks um, in terms of, you know, uh, the players that they have their commitment to trying to win, and they're definitely a better team. They're capable of making the playoffs, and I think they still will make the playoffs this year. But I just don't think they have that ceiling that they think they have. I don't know about you.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. And I think um, Lucas is in the chat saying it's time for a GM that does something. And, And I agree in the sense where I think that they do have some pieces that have the ability. But no, you could take the five best players in the NHL, and if you don't give them a supporting cast it's not enough in this competitive landscape that is the NHL today. So I think that, you know, it's, it's the tertiary moves and all those extra things that are, are extremely important and, um, you know, kind of just committing in one direction or another. And I think that that's something that the Winnipeg Jets, you know, um, I was talking about it last game, or yesterday, I guess, Cheaper Screepers, time is an illusion. The Winnipeg Jets keep playing the same hockey game over and over again. I feel like it's Groundhog Day. Like, I don't even know what day it is anymore. But where, you know, they they have players like Nikolai Ehlers who, you know, doesn't kill penalties and who's on, like, um, who plays, um, in matchups that favor players who are more offensively gifted, all those kinds of things, because, you know, the Winnipeg Jets coaching staff can come to the conclusion that a player like Nikolai Ehlers is more offensively gifted than defensively. I think that that's a pretty reasonable conclusion to come to. And yet in games like this, where they need offense, they start, relying really heavily on their depth and it's like but that's not what your depth is for so why do you think they're magically going to be the ones I know that there's nothing coming from the top six right now Pierre-Luc Dubois people are talking about him a little bit in the chat and um, you know we could talk about Pierre-Luc Dubois for a while I know he's coming back from injury but there's just nothing there right now that man looks dead in the water like there's no energy and that's the most exciting part about watching Pierre-Luc Dubois play hockey every night is just knowing that there's that fire in his belly that's extremely fun and and you know it, it can fire up the team like crazy he'll be the one that'll go and, and take that extra shot in the boards and then all of a sudden he'll draw a penalty and then the Jets will score and it's exciting but none of that is happening right now and it's I know it's not coming from the top six but why are you expecting guys who at the best of times are scoring one goal in every 15 30, 20 games to you know rejuvenate some offense here it's just not going to happen so I'm really frustrated with a lot of the deployment of the particular forwards that they have right now the demotion of Nikolai Ehlers doesn't make any sense whatsoever um the promotion of guys like Metaline and stuff like that to play more minutes in situations where you need to score doesn't make sense it just it it hasn't made any sense to me all year and it didn't make sense tonight and it didn't work and you know color me shocked
0: yeah pretty much I mean the Jets yeah their depth is not at the level that you would expect when they pay so much money for it is what I will say um and you know I, I guess you know they pay money for for some of it I mean guys like Adam Lowry and Appleton are being paid uh, uh but you would think I mean Sacramento and I mean yeah I I he was out there a lot tonight like I was I was noticing him quite a lot and um you know they 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 acquire I don't know is there I'm not as in tune with Rick Bonus is there a sense that you know because I know in Calgary uh there's a big narrative around Daryl Sutter not wanting to play young players is there a narrative around bonus playing these depth players over young players or is it over the top players that's more of a concern because like there's two different very schools of that
1: And I would say the two different schools kind of go forward versus defense. I don't think, um, to me, it's top players on the forwards and young players on defense. Obviously we could talk about Billy Hanola forever. That's a player who didn't get much of a leash, um, under Rick bonus. And Dylan Sandberg even has been one of the most reliable Winnipeg Jets defenders all year. And even still, he plays very sheltered minutes. Um, as opposed to someone like Neil Pionk who would benefit Mm -hmm. from playing those sheltered minutes where Dylan Sandberg could, could take a little bit more of a challenge on. And I think it would, uh, create a higher, like, a a net positive um, between the two of them, to be completely honest. That's how good I think Dylan Sandberg is. So I think that there's a little bit of reluctance to trust the young players in the back end. Um, And up top, I don't know what it is because Kyle Connor has been – bad like straight up if you went and found the guy on the street and asked him if he's been good lately he would say no like he knows he's been bad everyone knows he's been bad um but the coaching staff hasn't really modified anything there they bumped him down on a line tonight but to me jumping from first to second line on the winnipeg jets team as it's currently constructed doesn't mean anything because they essentially have two first lines or two second lines like there's it's a and b it's not really one and two at this point um so it's really Nikolai ehlers like that gets the the that he doesn't get trusted properly. Like, obviously the entire depth is deployed, but like Shifley doesn't get benched or short shifted. Neither does Kyle Connor. Neither does Blake Wheeler. Um, neither does to ball most of the time, honestly, when he's healthy and around, which is surprising. Cause that would be one of the guys that I would want to staple to the bench every now and then when he's going nuts. But um, there is a lot of reliance on the, on the depth um, up there, but it's, it's weird too, because it's not, it's not young players because Morgan Barron is not an old guy whatsoever, but he gets, you know, a couple extra shifts down low with with the third and fourth line whenever the Jets think they need offense and they start playing more of their bottom six because I I don't know how one plus one equals three in that situation, but I'm not the coach of the Jets Rick bonuses. So that's kind of my take on the, the top players versus young players, but there's definitely some similarities in a lot of those coaching styles and disparities with some of those older, old school coaches, if I may.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, okay, I will say this. Okay, uh, I'll I'll add some positivity here. Um, I was at an Everett Silver Tips game uh, last, or actually earlier this month. Um, And I will say Brad Lambert was the best player on the ice. Uh, It was Seattle Thunderbirds against the Everett Silver Tips. And he was unbelievable. So I think, here's here's what I say about Winnipeg they are going to be one of the most fascinating teams to follow off the ice for the next two, three, four years. Um, because just, just purely because of the way that they've been built and they were, they were brought in as a core of guys. And that core has remained largely intact minus Patrick Lanay being traded. And they are coming up to a point where, you know, this is going to be a team that's under a microscope, sort of like Calgary was when Chuck and Gaudreau left um, where, that there are going to be decisions coming up on like four or five core players, almost at the same time, like one after the other. So from that perspective, I think the jets are fascinating from virtually every other perspective. I don't think they're fascinating. Um, because, and primarily that's located in the on ice play, because I just think, you know, I don't see a window and I don't see a high ceiling. And so that's, that is, uh, you know, they're, they're a team that basically has to hope for what Rick Bonus accomplished in 2020 with Dallas, where you sneak in and you make it far. Um, and that's, I find, always super n- uncompelling to watch. But I do think that if the Winnipeg Jets were to go into a quick retool mode, sort of like what St. Louis just did, uh, where they traded away Tarasenko, they traded away Ryan O'Reilly, they might do some more of that with Braden Shen and Colton Pareko. I think you can make hay here with some of the guys you got coming up. Because Brad Lambert, I really do think is, you know, I think he's a guy who fell way too far in, in this past year's draft. Um, my God, he was unbelievable when I watched him for the Thunderbirds. He was like, he's playing on a team with Dylan Gunther, and he looked way better than Dylan Gunther. Um, and Chaz Lucius I like, Cole Perfetti I like. It's just a matter of, you know, who is going to be around these guys when they come up. And and I've got a buddy who talks a lot about, you know, having a wave model of rebuilding. And if you just add more picks to supplement these guys, because you know you got a first round pick this year, you know it kind of runs. It's incongruous with trading away a second round pick like they did the last year's dead or this past deadline. But um, and I see somebody in the chat saying Connor Hellebuck is the window, and you know I, I don't know if I agree at this point when Connor Hellebuck is twenty nine and a year away from UFA. Do you do you want to re-sign Connor Hellebuck? Because that's that's I think the biggest inflection point the Jets have. That... Is Hellebuck and Scheifele and Ehlers. Do you really want to be on the hook for that guy going at, to age 37, 38? Or do you want to buy uh, when his value might be at its highest? That's that's a big question. I
1: think. Connor Hellebuck is the tough one here because I think Brady's right in the chat where this was the window when they had him because you need... A goalie you just do especially with the kind of hockey that this winnipeg jets team plays um where obviously right now is a little bit weird um but usually they're so offense heavy in a lot of areas and they just they rely on their goalie to bail them out and just hope for the best um on the back end because they're able to hope for the best so i think that as good as these players are around them like we, we see it in edmonton right like honestly that's exactly what you see in edmonton in the last couple of years where they have some really good players and obviously Edmonton needs a little bit more depth across the board especially on the back end when it comes to their defense um, but it, Edmonton would be in a completely different situation and I fully believe this if they had a Vezina winning goaltender. It's, it changes everything it tips the scales in any direction to have so I think without Connor Hellebuck they're in going to be in rougher shape and they're going to need to make more changes and move more pieces and I don't know what it looks like moving forward with him I feel like they're going to let him go because that poor man doesn't deserve this or doesn't deserve what this team is putting him through um but I I don't know because I don't see them moving forward without them there's no backup plan we have nothing internally good goalies don't grow on trees I really don't know what that looks like but um Brady says they either need to see the writing on the wall and trade him or extend him, and and I agree like I think I I think you know, shutting it all down is honestly where they need to head in the direction of at this point. I don't have enough faith in a lot of these players. They haven't done enough for me to think that they can have a Stanley Cup winning team built around them. Um, But I don't know, it'll be interesting. And like even tonight, for example, I think I struggled with um, off the rush, watching them try and pass the puck and just not opening up lanes for each other. And, you know, little things like that, that just bother me a lot when I watch this team. And I'm like, I don't believe in you. I just don't. I don't believe in them. The only player I believe in is Connor Hellebuck. And, you know, I also believe in Cole Perfetti. I think that that's a super unique player who's a ton of fun. And I honestly think that I have so much faith in him that if they wanted to commit in the right direction and and bring in a couple of guys who would be two, three years younger than him and let him develop and become the Patrice Bergeron-esque with, you know, like, not that he's Patrice Bergeron, but that type of player that can bring up some younger players with him and, and you know, be that voice of reason, the, the conscience on a lot of different lines and be very versatile and all those kinds of things. I would almost have the buy-in, but I just don't believe in this team's ability to build enough in one committed direction. So that's a non-answer to the Connor Hellebuck thing. I don't know what to do about him, but I don't think that this team will win anything without him. So.
0: Yeah. I, well, Hey, I, I don't disagree. I would say if I was the GM and no NHL team in the right mind would hire me but um, you know I would if if you, if you move Hellebuck you pretty much got to move everybody else and I see Brady in the chat saying pretty much the exact same thing and um, but I mean I wouldn't move everybody everybody I would keep Morrissey and I would keep Connor that's what I would do and then beyond that I would explore the market obviously for Wheeler um, I would probably explore the market for Shifley I would probably explore the market for Ehlers um, you know and Dubois Probably two, and you know you, don't, you know, rarely. S-
1: I don't even care. Get it.
0: <laughs> rarely see NHL GMs go on such an aggressive fire sale for with guys who are still in their twenties. I mean, if you look at it, the last two teams were probably Chicago and Arizona. Um, but and and you know I, I I struggle to conceptualize this Jets management and ownership wanting to go down that path, and I don't think they do it quite as aggressively. But at the same time, there's absolutely no point in trading Connor Hellebuck if you're not going to trade anybody else. Um, but if you trade Connor Hellebuck, there's also no point in keeping anybody else. So it's it's just I, I think if I think I think you can have I think you can be plenty bad and pl- and be able to recoup a ton of value with those trades and add a bunch of good players in the draft and be bad enough to make a good pick if you keep Morrissey and if you keep Connor, because I think they're the two, they're, they're the two guys who I think make sense sort of a long, longer term uh, pieces to have around alongside Perfetti and, and, uh, and Lambert and whoever. Um, But beyond that, you know, I, I I see a lot of guys who, who I don't think build a contender by themselves, but I think would do a really good job of filling out contenders elsewhere. And that's what I think the Jets should be pursuing. Uh, Now, whether they do that or not, I don't know. But that's just my take. Um, for now, it's, I guess it's you know you got to listen to what they're saying and just focus on the game on Tuesday. Yes,
1: the game on Tuesday. I actually, I am going to that game. I haven't, I think I've been to one Winnipeg Jets game all year because either I'm doing this or I'm busy and making Brady do them for me. Like poor Brady has had to do so much um, to accommodate my schedule and I'm coming out of my busy season. So I've been, you know, my mom was like, are you doing the game on Tuesday? And I was like, no, I'm not. She's like, do you want to go to the game? And I looked for 30 seconds, I looked at my calendar and I was like, yes. Yes, I do. That sounds great. So, um, excited to do that. Uh, excited to boo the power play in person instead of on my couch. It's gonna make me feel more human and sane as opposed to, you know, just giving them a big thumbs down from my living room. But um, looking forward to Tuesday. Um, at this point, you know things like the power play not expecting any form of change whatsoever i think that you know going o for 3 o for 5 o for 4 whatever over the last couple of games uh, granted against decent opponents but i mean when you have finishers like the Winnipeg jets have you shouldn't be going o for anything when it, on a power play i uh, don't think that's going to change much um, all I can ask for from this team is a little bit of energy and make it at least look like you care and want to be there and want to win a hockey game. Cause that's just not what I'm seeing from them right now. So I think that that's going to be the big thing that a lot of Jets fans are going to be looking for is just a little bit of that excitement. You know, I don't like fighting in hockey and I hope Nicola Lears doesn't have any, you know, concussion or anything like that from getting, you know, dogged by Braden Shen. But, you know, things like that sometimes are needed from a team just get something exciting up in there like get the team fired up and excited to be there and playing hockey like that just hasn't seemed to be what it's been lately they look like a bunch of people from the finance portfolio of a business after lunch on a Friday it's just like I'm here to pass the time and count down the clock cuz I'm not getting anything started that's really the vibe they're giving right now and they just they need to look like a team who has 11 games left in the season and is fighting for a playoff spot cuz that's what they are well, and they're not yep. showing it
0: yeah, well, I'll do the honors of doing a little bit of a preview of Tuesday's game because I I watch the Coyotes a lot, um, and uh, they're one of the two teams that I really follow closely because I've written about the Coyotes for years, and um, it's uh, it's right now it's the Clayton Keller show. That's the one thing that you'll that you'll see in Winnipeg. But the funny thing about the Coyotes is um, they probably will lose on Tuesday, but they have points and eight straight. And their splits on the home and the road this year are so funny because at Mullet arena this year, they are 20 11 and three and on the road, they are seven 21 and eight. So um, Winnipeg will probably win uh, on Tuesday because Arizona has won seven out of their uh, quick maths 36 road games this year. Um, But uh, you know, Keller has 75 points this year. He's got more points than Austin Matthews and Kirill Kaprizov and Alex Ovechkin and Kyle Connor and Steven Stamkos, and he's he has the third most, second most points in the NHL since the All Star break behind only McDavid. So uh, that's what the Jets are going up against on Tuesday. So get hyped for that.
1: That sounds lit. Brady and I were actually talking once on our on our podcast. We're talking about how Clayton Keller is going to be a perennial. NHL All Star, just with the yes. way that the Arizona Coyotes kind of roll. Um, but, like, he's kind of slaying. Like, he is off to the races right now. So, that'll be fun to watch. I love, um, you know, going to a Jets game, you know, you're going to be able to watch the Winnipeg Jets. That's kind of a given. Um, you know, don't know what Winnipeg Jets are going to show up on any given night. But you always get excited whenever, you know, every opposing team has often some form of exciting quality about them, especially if you're a hockey fan uh, to the degree that you and I are, right? There's something, there's a redeeming quality for every team, if not, you know, something really exciting to look forward to. So definitely looking forward to that. Um, any chance is going to be in net Because that man, you know, rocks a freaking five goals saved above expected every single time he plays the Winnipeg Jets. So hopefully he's on vacation.
0: We don't know yet. The funny thing is, the Coyotes are running with three goalies right now, um, and I'm not entirely sure why. Uh, but Ivan Prozvatov has started the last two, and he's been lights out, so he is due for a stinker. Yes, um, but I'm not. Bring sh- it on. I'm not. I'm not sure if he will start on Tuesday. It might be Connor Ingram, and it might be Karel Vimelka. Um, we don't really know. But uh, Clayton Keller right now is reminding me of Johnny, like Johnny Gaudreau, uh, a young Johnny Gaudreau. He's playing to that level. Um, and then the other guy, what well, I, well, I will say about well, about Keller, since the Coyotes relocated from Winnipeg in 1996, he is on pace for their best offensive season ever. So there you go.
1: Well, good for him. Yeah. I hope he scores go. zero goals tomorrow or on Tuesday. So, um, <laughs> Mike, thank you so much for joining me this evening. This has been a ton of fun. Uh, for everyone who's listening, I know uh looking at the chat, thank you so much, everyone, for being here. Everyone's kind of expressing similar frustrations and, you know, just wishing this team would go in a direction that's you know positive for once whether it means positive towards a really good rebuild or positive towards actually winning games when you need to win games it would be nice if they gave us that for once but um you know thank you everyone for being here thank you mike for being here um for those who are listening mike where can they find you um tell us about where we can look for you your work and all that good stuff
0: just go to dailyfaceoff.com we got all sorts of guys there matt larkin who used to work for the hockey news if you ever read a an uh, edition of the Hockey News like four years ago. You probably saw a bunch of articles by him. And of course, Frank Saravalli, who uh, is most notable for uh, leaking the entire Seattle Kraken expansion draft beforehand.
1: I'm pretty sure I still have a muted from that. I was so mad. I was having like a watch party <laughs> in my house and I was like. <laughs> Excuse me, um, but yeah, no, that's <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much, Mike, uh, for coming on. So yeah, make sure you guys check out uh, Mike on Twitter, of course, and uh, Daily Faceoff for all of Mike's work. And uh, Brady will be with you on Tuesday to break down, hopefully, a Clayton Keller zero-point performance, uh, stinker from a goaltender, and a Winnipeg Jets seven goals on the power play night. So thank you so much, everyone. Have a fantastic Sunday, and have a good week ahead. We will see you next time.